Hey everyone, welcome to the OFD podcast. I am your host, Joshua Voles, site manager at onefootdown.com. And uh I'm lonely tonight. That's, that's not a plea for uh for solicitations for you guys to tweet or call me or whatever it is late at night, but uh I'm all alone. Both Jude and Brad, uh they have better things to do tonight. Uh and so to uh to counter that instead of me sitting here for 45 minutes with a uh soliloquy of chaos. Uh, I went and grabbed Greg again and damn it. Greg's going to answer for all the stuff that we got wrong, uh, on the last podcast. So Greg Flamang, welcome back to the show. How you doing? I'm good. I'm here to, uh, make more hundred percent correct predictions right off the bat. I'm very excited. Bege- yeah. Cause those are hot right now. hundred percent predictions. Ab- absolutely. I'm, I'm ready to, uh, be hundred percent correct on everything I say. <laughs> Yeah, that's that, that's the end thing now. They tell me it is. So, all right. Well, hey, you know we we are uh, we're done with spring football. Uh, we got our 15 practices, with 15th being the blue gold game, and uh, got all that done. And we saw what we saw, and we can't unsee what we unsee. And I guess uh, you know I've, I've already put my thoughts up on the site, before, you know, already. I, I was actually really severely disappointed. Um, about some things, uh, I, I, a lot of the, a lot of the other stories from other sites, uh, a little more encouraging and mine wasn't so much about the actual play, but it was, uh, the play, uh, like, you know, let's try to throw the ball downfield a little bit more. They could have forced that a little bit. And I, Greg, I don't know about you, but I mean, I was expecting some more, more in the vertical pass. I was expecting a lot more in the vertical passing game than what we saw, and it, I mean, did you think that they just decided we're not going to put that out? Uh, like that was like one thing they were not going to have people criticize. I mean, because a lot of the stories were, you know, how efficient Ian Book was, you know, and but I mean, shit, that's already stuff we already know. So you know, we don't, we didn't really see anything we didn't know. There was only really one good uh, vertical throw to Chase Claypool. Do you think that was kind of like by design, despite the fact that that was like a main point from the coaching staff heading into spring that they were talking about doing? I'm not sure. I was with you in the beginning where everything was kind of dinky dunky and I didn't really mind it in the first drive. Like that's kind of Ian's game. And Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like he's going to play the way he plays. I was, I was expecting like after the first couple drives, it's like, okay, they're going to start to do some play action stuff. They're going to tinker around like they've already like they came out and they probably scripted. Right. Or something like, you know, they had some plan where they, they had their place. They things. had their place. Yeah. So it was I, I wasn't I wasn't like surprised or disappointed in the beginning. But near like the second quarter, I was thinking, OK, you know, he's only going to he's not going to play that much. Like he's not going to play the second half or whatever. So whatever they want to get out of this, like they need to do it now. And it kind of became apparent to me that they, they don't have time to do that. They, they didn't, they, I was like, who is going to take, like get downfield and he's going to have enough protection long enough to actually get that done. Yeah. That they, was like, part of the problem. Was the, 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 yeah. I mean, the way the, the way the rules are set up were like, you could, like one of the times that they had, they had whistled the quarterback down was like Jordan Gedmarkeith was like, running one way 
And Book was, I mean, there's no way it was you could call that a tackle. He like touched him with his pinky, and they blew the whistle. I mean, it was like really like whistle happy Central to I you know to get that. It, it's hard. You're right. It is hard to set up a a longer de- you know a longer developing pass down the field when they when they had you know when you got the red shirts on right. Yeah, and he yeah I. It, Maybe less so, Ian, but definitely Jerkovic. He he had uh, he had a nice pass to uh, Tremble on one where they blew it dead, and I thought, like live, I was thinking, man, what? What did he touch his back? Like I don't understand. And then that, that one was kind of like, okay, like I kind of get it. And then he had another one up the seam to my guy Lawrence Keys, who if he catches it, he's gonna make a move on the safety. And he's going to the house. And if that pass gets completed, like, you know, the way we view Phil in his day, it's going to be completely different. And obviously, that you know, that goes down for a sack. And, you know, so that part of it, I was like, okay, I, I get it. They, they don't have time. Like, especially Phil didn't have time. And he's the one, the first pass he tried to throw, he held it, held it. He was trying to hit a deep post. And he got sacked by uh by Justin Adamalola. So he 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 wanted it. And then I think he learned pretty quickly like I I can't I can't really hold the ball here. I, I need to try to get it out and I think that flustered him a little bit. Like oh, I don't he think was that flustered. he Yeah, he he didn't want to he didn't want to go through progress. He wanted to he wanted to take shots and he couldn't right. and he didn't have time and by the second you could just tell he was he was you know, mad. Like he, he was he was not so much- having it. So much of these guys' game is is with their feet. You know, not they like Ian Book is not your typical running quarterback, but he is a very mobile quarterback. And so right. part of his game is is exactly that. It's being able to use his feet to get a first down if needed. Just like we saw like, you know, against USC, you know, in that in that drive that we needed that touchdown, right. uh, you know, in the first half, you know, and he and he, you know, broken rib and all, he's dropping the shoulder. You know, he's he's right. going to work. That's part of what he does. And Djokovic, very much of the same mold, if not more, more so, uh, if you remember how he played in high school. And there was those moments, you know, where there was that seam. And, and you know, you watched Phil take off. I mean, it's exactly what he should do. But with the, with the uh, touch rule, uh, you know, it didn't last, didn't last very long. So it, it's kind of hard to determine how successful those plays are. It's hard. To, it's really hard to know how, you know, your just your tackle play in general, you know, on your offensive tackles, you know how they're moving around because of the way all that stuff is. You know, it really looked like you know the ends were owning the day out there. And I mean, Julian Aquara and Cliff Green are good. It, that whole depth chart uh, played well, but uh, yeah, just so much of that part of the game, it, it was a hard sell. You know what I mean? It was a hard take to get. Yeah, absolutely. And Phil said afterwards, like, this isn't football. And when you have the quarterback saying that. <laughs> you think he was, like, in the huddle, like, man, he, screw this. This ain't football. He, he wants to take off that. Like, he does not want to wear the red. And because he's not that kind of guy. It's like you said, if you watch his high school tape, like, he, he runs a lot. He runs all the time. He's not afraid to keep it. He's not afraid to run, like, in between No, the he's tackles. a baller. I mean, the, the guy's a flat-out football player. So and that's why that was why I made my prediction 
you know, at the start of the last podcast because I figured, okay, he's going to get out in like a game situation and he's just going to turn it on. He's not really a practice guy. But then as it went on, it was apparent that A, this is just they couldn't really pro- well, they couldn't really <laughs> protect him. And B, I was like, this isn't a game situation for him. No. Like, he's not really, like, he's not, this is not his element. And so, you know, and he was obviously frustrated by that. And, um, you know, so I, I don't, I don't take much away. Like, this is one of those things where I'm, I'm taking the reports from the people that went to the practices for what they are. You know, they reported yeah. Yeah. that he looked good. They rep- reported that. Ian Book has been looking good throwing the deep ball. I mean, the one he threw to Claypool was nice, right? That, that was a good. That was a good throw. So, um, you know, I, I'll take that for what it is and just be happy with it. I mean, look, I, I don't know specifically what what Ian finished as far as his numbers, but at one point he was. It was like, it was like sixteen or twenty one. Uh, yeah. I, like I two, two I don't, twenty. I got the stats around here somewhere, but I might have thrown them in the trash already. Uh, because that's, <laughs> I mean, because really that's how much they're worth. You know, I, I, uh, I made a joke to um, to Doug Farmer and uh, Brian Driscoll while we were up the up the box. Like everybody was asking what was the score because they shut the score after the game. They had shut the scoreboards off like fairly quickly. Yeah, and they, no one put the score on the like the final stat sheet. You know, even though it's up on your window of your right you know, your computer, and I'm like I'm. You know, I'm gonna blast that. that. That's on my title. I'm like, I'm gonna. They're like, no, you're not. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, why would I? I mean, what the hell? And Wait. So, so the score isn't on the scoreboard. No, the score's on the scoreboard. But oh, I see. What's all? What's all? It's all said and done, and you're, and you're going. You're coming up back up to the box. Yeah. Uh, for everything, it's normally like up for a little bit longer. Not that in a regular game situation. You oh, never I see. So afterwards, but this I was see such an saying. odd game that, that you could never remember what the score was. Yeah. And you know, I, because it was a halftime. I'm like, shoot, man, we're looking at, I was so pumped. I'm like, man, we're, I'm looking at like a 70 to like 45, you know, lead in the title. <laughs> this is, this yeah. is fantastic. Um, and that's, I mean, that's what we're talking about here. I mean, this is just, it's just a screwed up way to watch what is kind of football. Um, and, just a, just kind of like a preemptive strike here uh, f- from me about talking about this game. This is a difficult situation to watch a game in. <laughs> uh, to, and you really got to go back and watch, you know, maybe even twice, um, which I have not. I've, I've watched like most of it a second time. Uh, but there's just so much going on. And I, ha- I had Philip in the box with me. And we really didn't didn't uh, divvy out like offense defense. We just kind of picked out a few key players that we were keying mm-hmm. on on, and a few of those guys really didn't do, you know, enough. Um, so you know, some of the stuff we kind of missed. Things move so fast. You know, you know, you're watching on, you know, as you're watching the game. All there's so much going on because there's 22 guys of the same team out in the field, and you're right. trying to pick up as much as you can on each play to get a sliver of information uh, and because, and it's, you're cracking jokes half the time anyways, <laughs> you're, 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 you know, you're, we're on Twitter and we're bullshitting with each other right. and it's just kind of, it's a, it really is a, it's a difficult game to grasp. And just, it just, because of the oddity of the rules, I mean, it's just, it's hard to 
really get into it. Like, say you're watching the offensive lineman. You know, how many times can a does a quarterback get touched in a game? It doesn't get sacked. You know what I mean? Right, right. He's still he's still being blocked. Well, the defensive lineman just because he touches him doesn't mean that he's that he's in danger of actually being sacked. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, how do you judge that? How do you judge that block from you know there from like Robert Haynes or something like that? You know, so right. it's. It's a little touch and go, um, but you know we got to see certain alignments. It it, it was very disappointing that Jack Lamb wasn't available for the game. Um, I wasn't as disappointed about Tony Jones not being available, mainly because I mean I know Tony and Tony does look good. He looks like he had, I you know I think he's lost some weight and they you know he's quicker and all that stuff. But you know it was nice to see the young backs that we have didn't get a whole lot to see last year, especially Kyron Williams being an early enrollee. It was nice to see them get you know a bunch of carries, but um, not seeing Jack Lamb out there kind of muddied the waters a little bit, you know, because what we're trying to figure out for the linebackers. Um, and you know, let's talk about that for a second, you know, because that's probably the biggest question coming into you know spring. Uh-huh. The linebackers. What did you What did you learn? What did you see? Um, you know, from that group. I mean. We, we, we've made jokes on this podcast for a few podcasts in a row about Asmar Bilal at Mike. Brad was up, Brad was like, this is going to happen. We joked like, eh. And then it was happening. We're like, oh. And then, you know, and then when you watch it, you're like, oh, man. Like, is this, is this really happening? And I'm not really to knock Asmar too much, but I didn't see enough from him playing the mic to give me a whole lot of confidence. I saw... Some from Shane Simon, though, playing the mic that I liked, which is totally contrary to reports we gotten in. We've we got a few of those contrarian events happen, you know, in the spring game from what has been going on all spring. So what what did you kind of gather from uh, the linebacker situation? I had a, a similar experience to you watching Asmar. I watched him a lot um, just because. I, and I said it in the last pod, I, it's it's kind of crazy that we're in this position where he's the mic. I mean, he was he was not supposed to play that position. And I, I almost like, I feel like it's not even fair to him, you know, to, to have him be the, like the quarterback of the defense. Like, I just, that's not, like he was, like we thought in the spring last year, he was going to share time with Owusu Koromoa, who's now starting at Rover. He wasn't even going to be a full-time player, and now he's starting at Mike. So um, I watched him a lot, and you know, like like you, I, I was I was I'm I'm kind of I'm pretty worried about it. Yeah, and I, like their size worries me. It, here's a funny anecdote. So I'm having a rough day at the, at the Blue Cold game. All right. Okay. But all right. We, we I had a few things. I like during Brian Kelly's press conference post game, my phone goes off like three times. It, it wasn't <laughs> ringing. It, like I had like Wu Tang on my, you know, my music app. Uh-huh. And for some reason I, it just came, it came on uh-huh. three, fucking, <laughs> three times that they came on. Uh, so I was, I was feeling pretty good about myself. Um, real professional. Uh, when ODB is talking some smack for a couple uh-huh. seconds. So after that's all said and done and, and Brian Kelly leaves and, and uh, we're kind of chuckling about me being a, a toolbox. Um, the players come in and uh, 
and like you know everyone like swarms over to like Ian Book and and uh, and stuff. So what's funny is Jafar and uh, and George Gibbmar Keith just sit down in the chairs like right behind me, and like everybody has shifted across the room. So mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna talk to Jafar. Who <laughs> I don't know why no one was talking to Jafar. He just had like 80, 80 some yards rushing, seventy some yards receiving. Uh, it was part of like a big play of that fumble. Yeah. Uh, but he was like left alone for a second. But I wanted to talk to uh, to Jordan, so whipped out phone, went to get a video, had a nice five minute interview with him. Uh, and then once it was done, I realized I had hit stop on the video, literally two seconds after I after I got going. Oh, so, no. yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> but, <laughs> but within that, um, a couple of things talking to him. Drew Tranquil is very active with these guys still. Uh, Jordan talked about how he's bored right now. <laughs> so he watches film with these guys like once a week. And so he's still like, like, he's still the captain of this team. God, Interesting. Bless, God bless Drew Tranquil. God, oh, yeah. Fort Wayne forever. He's an amazing, he's just amazing. Um, but, uh, yeah, so he's working with these guys, you know, trying to get, you know, when we talk about, you know, eye discipline, eye just, you know, with linebackers, know right. what they're seeing in front of them. Uh, and so, and Jordan talked about that and, and I just, I flat out asked him, I said, you know, look, you know, you guys aren't the biggest linebacker group in the country. I, you know, what, what are you planning on doing as, or, all right. No, I asked, uh, you know, how, it's kind of a bad question, but I said, how worried are you about, you know, later in the season, you know, kind of getting worn down a little bit because you guys are a smaller group and, you know, here comes November teams want to run the ball. Uh, are you you guys prepared for all that? And he had a really slick, you know, confident answer about how they, you know, they know that they're small. Um, they talk about that, but they're fast. And he feels that that makes them much more aggressive which is what I didn't see <laughs> in the, in the spring game so much. He's talking, uh, then this was Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It, you know, I, I saw the speed, but going back to the comment about Drew Tranquil, I didn't see the eye discipline from him uh, either. Uh, there was quite a few moments where they still looked lost in space. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't mean like the TV show. I mean, lost in their space on the field um, about where exactly Maybe not necessarily the responsibilities, but you know where the ball direction, uh, you know what, you know which run fit they're supposed to be hitting. Uh, it wasn't the pretty. It wasn't the prettiest of things. They were aggressive though, so I, I'll give them that. Um, I did. I, I. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I've been rambling enough. Well, I thought. I thought you mentioned Simon, and he. The the thing that I kept hearing about him was that he wasn't very was aggressive. aggressive like, right? Yeah, he wasn't bringing it, and I thought, look, I, I don't, I don't know what he's really supposed to be doing, but he's showing up. Like he's always around the ball. He's always like he's popping pads. Like he's hitting people. He yeah, had it was a nice a goal line stop. What? Yeah, he had a nice goal line stop on. Um, maybe it was Kyron Williams or maybe it was uh, Jameer Jones. I don't specifically remember, but I mean, it was like on the one yard line, and they stopped the guy for no gain. He didn't get in the end zone. And I was like, okay, like that's something, right? I, I don't know if he's in the right gap or whatever, but I mean, that's a play that he made. Um, the other guy who's like, that is Bo Bauer. Like, I don't understand. Bo, Bo Bauer had himself a very nice, you know, there's two guys that have been completely dismissed because of 14 practices. 
that had a really nice spring game, and that's Bo Bauer and Derek Allen. I, I agree with you on Allen, too. And I was so happy to see it. Oh, I was. <laughs> I'm uh, sure you, you were, know, too. You and, you and I, like, we, we, we put ourselves out of that island uh, last podcast about, you know, about a possibility of a transfer next year, you know, if things don't go well. And I kind of, you know, I don't that I feel bad. I mean, we're just we're just stating what, you know, what we see. But I'm really rooting for the guy. You know, that was that was for me. I remember with the day he committed. That was a big pickup yeah. for us. Big, yeah. big time safety in the state of Georgia. You really want this kid to do well. Um, and on top of that, you know, by all accounts, he's a really good kid. His dad's a really good guy. You really want to see this guy succeed. And and then he had gotten you know, pretty rough reporting coming out of, you know, from the spring. And just as you were just saying there, so had Bo Bauer uh, right. who played in every single game last year because he's an aggressive, uh, you know, meaty tackler. And, you know, but he was getting, was going to be one of the guys next to the line for Mike. Right. And then all of a sudden yeah. it was at hard shade. Uh, but he had himself a, a good, a really good blue goal game. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know why they can't like, like they can't play him and it's and he played because um he was in there because someone else got hurt or it was uh it was drew white or something i mean it's like people get hurt and it's like oh okay well then he's gonna he's gonna go in there or or he got to play because jack lamb got hurt and so then shane simon took reps at buck instead of mike something like that and i'm thinking I don't understand. Like he and he he's been he's been whacking people ever since last spring. Yeah, he I mean he 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 brings it when he's going to goes attack. You you're gonna feel it when Bo Bauer is coming to attack. Yeah, yeah. I, there were there were uh, there were two plays in that just kind of so like the epitome of what concerns me. One was there was the first series. They were both on the first series is they ran a sweep with Jafar to the offense's left. And watching the playback, oh, and, and Asmar came over and made the tackle. And, then, and Chris Sims on the broadcast, I don't, you probably didn't notice this because you were, you were in the box, but um, Chris Sims on the broadcast said, oh, like, look at the speed of Asmar. He, you know, he got to the sideline and made the play. And then you watch the replay, and they're running the sweep to his side, and he's just standing there, like not moving. <laughs> he's not moving, and he absorbs the block. And then he got like he made a play because he was in the right position. The, he made a play twelve yards down the field, like he should be up there. And you look at the guy next to him. You look at Jim Markeith, and as soon as the ball is snapped, he's flying play side. And if and if Asmar is is doing what he's supposed to do and forcing the cut back inside, then Jordan's going to make that play. And I thought, oh, he's getting praised, but this is not good. Well, by, I, I'll, I'll say this. By all accounts, uh, Chris Sims was very pro-ND in, his, in the broadcast, uh, meaning that he had a lot of high praise to heap that day, and he was heaping it. Uh, I mean, you know, it, it's I mean, a spring it, it, game. It, yeah, right, right. No, I, I mean, I get it. That's why I'm saying, like, it's <laughs> you. You got to wonder his mentality going into this game. It's you know, it, there's object. You know, there's 
totally different than going into a normal game, just like it is covering it. Uh, so he's, you know, heaping praise on these guys, just like he, you know, you just said there. Uh, kind of, I won't say undeserving, but a little bit over the top. I mean, he did. It, he did once he started running. He was then very <laughs> fast. So you know, the closing you know, speed, I guess. And I guess what worries me is is something you just said too, though. Um, you know, for, forcing that cut back back inside, like the play that I, I don't know why it does so much. Um, the play that sticks in my head the most for some reason is a as a touchdown run that book had where he he he, uh, he cut he was on the right scrambling hash, around yeah cut, cut it up through the middle and Jen Marquis just like flew past him basically uh, you know I just like. Like I don't, I don't know if he didn't see him, uh, <laughs> but that he had, he had, he had over, you know, over pursued and took a terrible angle. And you're just kind of wondering exactly like, to me, that was like the epitome of what I was seeing. Like very, he was playing, you know, Jordan was playing very aggressive yet his, where he was getting at his position just didn't seem like it was, he, he wasn't getting. Yeah. And I, <laughs> Cops I, after you? No, nah, man, it's a helicopter <laughs> over the one of my house. Hopefully, it doesn't come back. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. So I remember last year a play similar to that when Dexter had a long run in the spring game, and and it was the one where Troy Pride uh, ran him oh, down. Oh yeah, oh yeah. If if you look at Jordan in that on that play, he's completely lost. And it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, of course, he started playing linebacker like two weeks ago, so no big deal. This year, you're doing the same thing, a little more concerning. Yeah. Uh, the other play that freaked me out about Asmar was on the same drive, they get, it was near the goal line. It was like maybe the 10-yard line. They ran, they ran inside zone to Jafar, and Asmar's unblocked. He meets Jafar in the hole, and Jafar just shucks him. He just shucks him. Yeah. And he, and he just, you know, and Asmar ends up on the ground, and Jafar just keeps going. And that's just, that can't happen to your middle linebacker. Like, you know, Jafar's good. Um, here's the thing. Jafar's good, right? Two right. plays later, two plays later, they, 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 they're in goal line again. He bounces outside. He's one-on-one with Houston Griffith. And Houston Griffith brings him down. And that's your corner. And he took out Jafar. And look, he, it wasn't in the hole. Jafar had a two-way go. He could have made a move on him. He could have done a lot of things. And Griffith made the play. And Bilal didn't make the play. And, it, like, you're – That's your mic, man. That's Not only is it your mic, but I'm really big on, like, you're a fifth-year senior. Like you, you have to be the guy making the plays. Yeah. Because who else is there? Well, I you mean, you have to be the one to set the example. And that's the thing too. I mean, Asmar's not really in a in positions of leadership. Uh, I don't know about the whole SWAT team, like all, but Asmar Bilal is not a name that is that a guy that's lined up for a captaincy on yeah. that team. So there's there's a whole lot of going against that, and. I want to bring this up too, because I, I want to move on to some other things here, but talking about linebackers, I, I think a lot of people are pretty sold on, you know, Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. 
And then, but why is why does everybody keep bringing up Jack Kaiser, freshman? I don't know. I, I mean, because no, I, I, so, I just so... I don't understand the constant bringing up of that name at the rover. Like, like it's like it's palpable. Like it, it's almost like a Kyle Hamilton situation where people are kind of waiting, you know, waiting for uh, for Kaiser to kind of take that over a little bit. And I thought. You know, I thought Jock played really well. I thought he had a, a good a good spring uh, all the way through. Then he had a nice spring game. Looks good out there. Seems to, you know, it seems to be clicking. And yet Kaiser's name just keeps getting brought up. Like it almost as, in, you know, it's going to be inevitable that they're going to split time or something. Where does it come from? I, he I doesn't practice. I know. That's what I'm saying. I, I don't I don't get it. Uh, but, but that's concerning to me. Why is that name, you know, is that something they're doing to push uh, the guys at Rover right now? I mean, because because even after Jock, you had Moala, and you're talking about two of the tackle leaders from the game. Moala had a good game too. He did. I he mean, did. So, that... so why is Kaiser's name keep getting brought up when you got guys who have played football? You know, you know, Jock's in his third year, Moala's in his second year, and they seem to be do- they get it. They seem to be doing all right. Yeah. Rooted for that position. I don't. I'm not concerned about Rover, and you know, I feel like they're talking about a third team guy, and and maybe Kaiser's good. I have no idea, but he's not going to be good this year. And I think that I I love Jock. I loved him last spring game. I just can't see how he has any. He's look. He's a good player. All right, and there's a reason why 24/7 like shot him up the rankings. Like right. Ridiculous, like 500 spots uh, towards the end there. He, he's a good football player. But good football player or not, he's not like, you know, world beater, like ridiculous athleticism, you know, coming out of his pores where he's going to step on the field and make all the difference against two guys who were, you know, one has gone through, you know, like I said, he's in her third year jock and he's been training at the Rover. And Wallow's been training all spring at the road. I mean, these are guys that have got that are practice battle hardened, um, that are, you know, ready to join the fold. I just I don't see it. I don't understand why the name is mentioned because I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think they even really think it's going to happen. I'm just curious about why that name just keeps getting brought up. And it's not necessarily the coaches. It's it's you know other writers. Like what you know? Are you from that? You know, you're not from that that spot in Indiana. Why are you keep asking this question? If he was from Fort Wayne, I could see like, you know, like Dylan sin, you know, asking him, you know, asking about him, all that, you know, cause you got your hometown guy you're writing about. Uh, And poor Dylan, he doesn't have any Fort Wayne guys this year. And I I feel for him. Uh, (laughs) Uh, We need to recruit that city a little better, but um, you know, it, it just makes zero sense because I think the two guys that they have right now are quality football players that can, that could work for us. I, I think if if there's no reason for Rover to have three guys, if in fact Kaiser is as good as people are hyping up to be, which I hope he is, right? Um, yeah. But if, I mean, if, I, if obviously, yeah. So if in fact that's the case, then one of them needs to move somewhere else. You can't have three guys playing one spot that that are good. You can't. So you need to move Jock. You need to move Moala. 
to, to buck or some more moves they can make. I just think well, they just it's have like so you, many you, back. Like, yeah, I mean they do. Sooner or later, I, they gotta they gotta they gotta marry these guys to a position, right? I mean they just can't keep moving guys. They have they have to marry them to a spot. Depth chart be damned and and roll with what they have because you know at some point you know you have to know each one of those positions are their own position for a reason, right? Like you can kind of it, you can kind of cross train them, you know, a, a buck and a mic or a rover and a buck. Um, but you just, I mean, you can only do that for so long. And then once the season, you know, once you get closer to the season, you know, say two, three weeks out, you know, in August, you know, that shit should be already locked up. Not, maybe not, maybe not necessarily the depth chart per se, but where you're playing at, you know, what spot, you know, which position you're battling in the depth chart for, that shit should be locked up. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I I feel like I could talk about linebacker forever. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what they're trying to do. Yeah. Well, I, like I, I said, I, like, Clark, Clark Lee's smarter than all of us. And yeah. He has an onion um, mentality about the position. And I mean, I'm not being a facetious here. I'm a, I, I literally think that's what's going on. He's got yeah. some kind of plan, whatever it is, and it's slowly working He's slowly working that plan. I mean, they've I don't understand it. I, re- I really don't have any understanding of it um, because I just I would just go about it differently <laughs> than yeah. what he's doing. But uh, I guess it's just something we're just going to have to keep rolling with. And unfortunately, it's going to be the talk, probably most of the talk of summer. At least it's not a quarterback battle. Uh, Amen. And with that, we're going to take a, uh, a quick break, uh, get a little podcast business out of the way. And we back to and we're just gonna keep bullshitting about the uh, about the spring game. So stay with us. We'll be right back. All right, all right. So covered a little bit of wide things here. Let's let's stay on the defensive path here. And I, I really want us. We've already mentioned his name, but I really want to give some more credit here to to Derek Allen. Now, Allen's, Allen played a lot. On, I mean, he probably would have anyways, whether it be first team or second team. But, you know, with Alohi Gilman out, or, you know, just with a – I think it's an abdominal strain or something like that. Um, you know, he saw reps of the first team. He's back there with Jalen Elliott. And I got to tell you, he looked pretty good. I mean, he looked he looked like he knew what he's doing. He was around he the was, ball. He was aggressive. And, damn, he can come up again on the run. I. I liked a lot of what I saw because Notre Dame wasn't throwing the ball vertically. It's hard to tell what we got coverage wise with him, but in everything else, I, I liked a lot of what I saw. He was one of the, the few defensive guys other than the walk on corner, which I don't know what to make of that either. Um, oh, he was one of the, yeah. Oh man! I, I mean, if we had a scholarship to give, he'd be he'd be getting it because he looked good. Yeah. He, he wasn't just it wasn't just like he like kind of like it was shook out that way. He actually looked like he looked pretty good out he, there doing. He his broke job. up three passes. Yeah, I mean, he, <laughs> I I don't know what to say other than you know, hey, you know, Wapu Nation, you guys are bringing it once again. God bless it, man. Yeah. Make it happen. Whatever works. Well, it makes you comfortable, right? I mean, it's nice to know you have a little bit of depth there, and if one of them is a walk-on, 
you know, and that that goes not just for the season, but this has been a process at Notre Dame. Yeah. You know, let's let's talk a little bit about it, girl. Okay. This has been a process about with Notre Dame. They are not Ohio State. They are not Florida State or Alabama. This is not a big, large state school with a giant, you know, undergrad enrollment. The walk-on program at Notre Dame has been romanticized, obviously because of the move, like because of Rudy. Right. But for the most part, there's not, there really isn't the talent there as like a big state school. Okay. You know, I, I live in Ohio. I say it all the time. I think every podcast I say I'm 40. So I'm going to say I'm 40 right here. I've been around seeing this. <laughs> so, but what happens is, you know, a lot, especially like I'll tell you here in the state of Ohio is a lot of these guys, you know, some of them get some Mac offers, this and that. They have no problem going to the 50,000 undergrad school in Columbus and going on as a preferred walk-on. And that, that's going to make my point real quick. What Brian Kelly has done with the preferred walk-on program at Notre Dame has changed everything about their walk-on program. It isn't just some guys showing up. And, and there are, you know, there's still a few, you know, but these guys are being recruited to come get an education and help the football team. And some of these guys got skills. I mean, they could go play elsewhere. It's not like the NFL is, you know, 100% power five schools. All right. Mm. These guys could go elsewhere and play and, you know, they could, Chris Finke's a perfect example of a guy that walked on, you know, he was at a school that ran the, ran the triple option basically. Uh, so you get these guys and I, you have to give your hat. You have to tip your hat to Brian Kelly for what they've done with his walk-on programs. Cause you, you'll hear these names, even, you know, Patrick Pelini had himself a nice little spring game. Uh, you keep getting these guys and it's so crucial to the development of your team, not just within your roster, but week in and week out. They are so vital to the preparation each week, uh, you know, throughout the season. It, it, it's ridiculous. And that's how these big state schools, you know, they feast off of their walk-ons because of what they have to do throughout the season, to prepare for each game. So Agoro is one of those guys and you're damn. He looked, I mean, he looked good. He looked like a, he looked like a, a first string power five corner out there. And we've heard it all spring too. Yeah, They've been yeah, talking exactly. about him. That's the key for me is, is like, is it, is it something that just came up or is it something that has been happening? And for him, it's been happening. So yeah, it, they might have the, they have the kicker too, Harrison Leonard, right? Uh, you, you must on this podcast, you, uh, you must refer to him as lacrosse bro name kicker. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we don't, we don't go any farther than that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. He, they, they, he's coming in. He might be the kicker. You know, and, you know, the kicker. Look, and looking at kicker for a second. Dor had himself a nice little day until the ding on the, on the pole. Uh, I, you were like, we were like pretty, I was pretty pleased. With I don't mind the, I don't mind the draw, you know, as long as you know, you're going to draw it. It's fine. You can, you can always aim it. It's like in golf, right? Yeah. I think, it's it's, like, I think that gets overanalyzed too much by, by you know, by some out there. Yeah. Um, I don't care. I, I, it doesn't, as long as he knows what the ball is going to do, then it's fine. Right. Um, I, the only he's got to get it up off his foot. The, the longer, the longer field goal, the ones like the 40, the 40 to 45 yard field goals, 
that's my big question mark with him is all. It seemed to me like he was he was taking his time going to the ball though. Yeah, like I, mean, the, it, I, I was like, it, man, this operation needs to get quicker because they're gonna they're actually gonna try to block it when the game starts. Yeah, that was there was that was a huge difference there. And st- staying on special teams, I thought Jay Bramblett made a excellent comeback within the game itself. Uh, Philip and I kept comment we're like, man, what's he just not, is he not stretched out? Because he wasn't getting any extension, on you know, with his legs on his kicks. Yeah, like it, it seemed like almost like he was pooch punting them when he should you know, be belting the shit out of them. And then you kind of gradually saw that he was getting a little bit more. And then, Look, guys, this is important. Me, like, analyzing the shit out of a punter right now is <laughs> extremely important because guess what? He's your starting punter. Uh, so uh, in a, this is going to be a year where, where, where we really need the offense to score a ton of points, right? Uh, because the defense isn't going to be as good as what it's been the last couple of years. But, you know, when the offense does stumble, and they will – yeah, I mean, you need you just need your punter to come through for you, and that's just to make solid punts. Uh, it doesn't have to be spectacular; it just needs to be solid. And so, with a freshman coming in, I'm analyzing the crap out of every move he makes. Uh, ball placement—that was, I, I just saw him be goofy the first kick and just kind of improve himself throughout the game. Uh, I just hope that this summer he does like you know like a hundred kicks a day. I'm sure there was just some nervousness. Let's still have some he, leg. He, he, Let's still have some leg he, left. <laughs> he's 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 there's some nervousness. He's an early right, enrollee. Like the knock on him coming kid. in was that there just didn't seem to be, you know, the ball just didn't come off his foot with enough boom. That is correct. Uh, so it, it's a it's a knock that that you're watching for because it's what what we've seen, and you're just waiting, you know, wait for him to knock that out a little bit. And, you know, yeah. get a little bit of time with Matt Bayless and you, a little bit more strength. And, you know, you get a little more coached up in college than you do in high school when it comes to special teams. But he's a kid that's gone to the kicking camps, you know, the, the mm-hmm. sailor stuff and all that. So his technique should be a little bit more sound. And it's not to say that it's off. But if you don't have the leg power, your technique has to be completely on point. Uh, so something's got to give there. And that's all I'm going to say about the punter. I will – most definitely say more <laughs> throughout the summer. <laughs> but, uh, uh, that's all the time we have for, for Bramlett today. Okay. But going back to our original, where we started out here with Derek Allen, let me ask you this. Okay, so our, our safeties are physical. Jalen right. Elliott and, you know, Lohi Gilman, they're physical safeties. Um, so being a physical player makes you susceptible to getting injured. How comfortable are you with? And I guess let's keep Kyle Hamilton out of the out of the conversation for a minute. Um, okay. But just what's on hand? Uh, how comfortable are you with with their backups? Because because uh, Derek was playing for a, a lowy here with Allen and uh, DJ Brown. Yeah, and and I get I guess I'm bringing up DJ Brown. Uh, really like ghost like because I <laughs> didn't say his name, but I'm obviously implying him. How comfortable am I? Um, based on what we saw Saturday, I'm fairly comfortable. I think he can play. Now, are you comfortable enough? Let me ask you this real quick. Are you comfortable enough where if Notre Dame needed Jalen Elliott 
to move up to play the nickel because we just can't because whatever's happening at nickel isn't working. Uh-huh. And so they're going to be bringing in DJ Brown. You cut that would be the likely scenario. I think you would be comfortable with that. I would be comfortable with with either DJ Brown or Derek Allen or you know, whoever else, right? Like I, I, let's just say those two guys, I would be comfortable with them playing next to uh, Gilman and Elliot. Yes. Because, because they wouldn't be put in positions to be, to be playmakers, right? Like they would be, they would be kind of, I don't know. Like, could they, could, could Derek Allen or DJ Brown be the equivalent of what Jalen Elliott was in 2017 or Nick Coleman, right? I think they could. And they, like Nick Coleman and, and Elliot weren't, uh, when they weren't playmakers in 2017, but they were certainly serviceable. Right. So, so, you know, and if you're playing next to two guys who are, you know, have their game at the next level, then I think, yeah, that's fine. All right. So having said that, throw Kyle Hamilton into the mix. Do you think, that's going to make a, a, an even bigger difference. Yes. Yeah. See, I, I'm, I'm in the same boat with you. It's, I, I wish, we, I, God, he's the one guy you really wish you could have had early in role. Uh, oh, man. You know, just, just the, out of that whole class, like him and Kyron Williams are the one, are the two guys I wanted to see early in role because they're the two guys besides Jay Bramblett <laughs> that, uh, who walked into a starter role. But two guys that you really wanted to see what they had because you're pretty confident they're going to see the field. Um, you know, not to get not to jump over to running backs, but I do think Kyron Williams at some point will turn into that third um, third back kind of rotation thing there with probably him and Jameer situationally uh, for Jafar and Tony. Uh, but um, you know, Cal Hamilton is going to become a fairly big part of this defense, I think. Uh, as far as the game planning goes, not saying he's starting or anything like that, but as far as game planning goes for situations, I think he's going to be a, a fairly large part. He he has a skill set that this roster doesn't have. Yeah, just and that's anyway. why. And that's why. Yeah, he, that's why he's got. I won't say that spot waiting for him, uh, but that's why people are talking about him like Jack Kaiser, uh, yeah. because he's got something there. Oh. I I have I have a bit of a take for you okay. since I'm 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 way into takes. Yeah, I'm, I'll take one. Yeah, take I'm 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 a little bit concerned about um, safety at large this year. Uh, how, how do you mean? Like like the overall? I'm I'm afraid there's going to be at least a perceived regression from those two guys. From Gilman and Elliot, because of what they accomplished so much last year, you think that it's just like an, an inevitability. Because of the makeup of the defense, I liken it yeah. to, and I was thinking about this today. I, I liken it to what happened with Bennett Jackson and Kavari Russell in 2013 after 2012. No, because I... because going into 2012, it's like Bennett Jackson and Kavari Russell, like it was. 
it was there was concern there, right? Like I don't know about these two guys, and then they ended up playing really well. well yeah, and Russell's and, a true freshman, so right, and so it was kind of seen as next year they're proven commodities, um, but they didn't have, you know, they didn't have Zeke Mata at safety in 2013. They didn't have uh, as good. I mean, they had to it, yes, but they didn't have Cap Moore. Um, the pass rush just wasn't as good as it was in 2012. See, you know, it had a couple of good games. To go against your point a little bit this year, I, I think that's where we, where our safeties are very well protected, though, wouldn't you say? I mean, like, with between all the DNs that we have, and you have two viable, like, honest-to-God candidates for All-Americans at, with Julian Aquara and Click uh, Kareem, you know that, that that helps out your safety play quite a bit in within the passing game, as he, and I believe and those two are physical enough where even with the deficiencies they might have um, at linebacker at D tackle, which I think we have completely glossed over D tackle, which I, I think they played fairly well. They looked they looked solid, uh, not great, and you're not playmakers like like a Jerry Tillery out there, but they definitely looked solid out there. But I think with the pass rush on the edge there. I think that really helps your safeties out down the field, though. No, it absolutely does. I, like, I, I, and I don't want to make it as seem like, oh, I. I but think I, like I, a I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying, and I actually agree with it for the most part. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm worried about like they had, they had Coney and Tranquil in front of them last year, and while I, you know, I like the D tackles. I, I like, I like. like um, Myron, I like Heinish, I like um, Adam Alola, Jason, and I like um, Lacey, right? But that's not Tillery, and that's right, not right. you know that's not Bonner and those guys. Um, so I'm I'm worried that that they were the back end of it. I mean, look, you had Julian Love and Troy Pride at corner. Like you don't have to worry about those guys. You don't have to worry about people running free into your secondary with tranquil right. and and coney in front of you like they, they were very much free to be you know they were they were free to do whatever they needed to do they were they were they were the uh the the cherry on top of the sunday for the defense and this year they're not that like they need to be the ice cream they need to be the you know a, a main piece and they, they were big pieces last year, but they were unexpected. This year, it's like there's actual expectations. Well, yeah, I mean, so I'm, a little, could, I'm a little bit worried. Both of them could be captains, too, before. before exactly. It's all said and done. So I'm, I'm a little bit worried that there's like we're not going to get as high a level of play. I don't have any evidence for it like okay. it's just a it's just a concern just like a i hunch. haven't heard anything yeah it's a hunch i've never heard okay. i haven't heard anything like alohi hasn't really even played in the spring so and it's not like a it's not a complacency thing with either of them right like yeah. I, I don't think it's that it's just i kind of have a, a bad feeling about it okay well, let me an, ask you un, this too then an easy feeling yeah good after after the game you know, Brian Kelly, he was asked, and he said that they're not going to be naming captains till like, around fall camp, which seems that's a lot of time to go through a, an offseason without, I mean, 
it may seem superficial to some, but when you're on a football team and you're going through off-season workouts, and I, you know, there's there is the guys that you're looking to regardless to, right? Mm-hmm. Whether you're whether you're named a leader or not. I, I just don't think I don't think this is very smart. I I don't understand what Kelly's doing. I think that you get at least I mean, I don't understand why there's not at least a couple of captains right now. And they're gonna if they're gonna add some, they're gonna add some like they did with Alex Bars, you know, last year, right? They yeah. had, they added him later on. What why aren't there why isn't you know Alohi Gilman or Jay, I mean Jalen Elliott to me has stepped up big time in leadership. You see a lot of stuff going on. Jalen's been the man. Um, mm-hmm. You know why? I just don't understand why you just why you wouldn't give that to them to own to get, start to get this team ready to start to get this team looking. My you know after the 2012 season. My biggest concern was was leadership. They lost so much right. heading into 2013. So much leadership. I mean, it was leader upon leader was off of that team. And I I had wrote about it and I commented on more than a few times and I got made fun of. They're like, Oh, you think you would have you think TJ Jones wouldn't have dropped that pass? Like, look, there's all sorts of the little things that go along with leadership that help a team. I just don't understand the the need to wait to not name at least a couple of guys like they gotta know right i well alohi is de facto and same with same with uh elliot like you know they're gonna be i don't I, yeah, right. that's me. what i said why don't why are they just name them then fucking then name them yeah put the skeleton well, chest right now and then you and then over the course of the summer and going to the fall camp you grab your your two or three more that are worthy, you know, that would be captains. I, I just, I don't like them going into an off season in this kind of situation. They've had seven, right? Yeah, but that, I think that was kind of like a, like a sell to Kaiser to come back because that would, and that would have been your only quarterback captain of all time, right? I, none of that made sense. You know, Kelly never likes to have quarterbacks be captains. Kaiser was never a true leader in the. I mean. There was a rift between him and Malik, anyways, inside the locker room. So, how do you name a guy that's involved in a rift right. as a captain? Um, and that's not a knock on Kaiser at all, you know, at, at all. That's just laying out the realities of right. what goes on inside of a locker room. That offer, that naming him as a captain was just some bait to get him to come back. I mean, Brian Kelly right. really fucking wanted Deshaun Kaiser <laughs> to come back that next year, like really bad. Um, so, you know. So yeah, seven is a number they've used. They, they, they've it, there isn't a set number of guys. I don't think I'd be ever go seven or six, probably again. But you know, four or five guys. I just think that they should put the C's on the safety's chest right now, and then figure out what else they have come fall camp. I just don't see the point uh, in moving forward without it. It's weird they wouldn't go the safeties, Kareem, Hainsey. And I mean, if he doesn't want to do book, they give it to Fink. But I, I don't know. Why wouldn't you give it to book? Like that almost seems weird. Well, I mean, Kelly's not that I agree with it completely. Um, but Kelly's point is that the quarterback is a is a leader of your team, anyways. And so he doesn't need it. So he doesn't need it. And to lay out him as being the captain 
puts more on his plate than what they want to have on his plate. Um, then, then give it to Fink then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I see the leaders out there. I think you, you know the guys. I just I don't see the point in just in saying who the fuck they are. I could see I could see giving it to Jafar. Uh, he is a hell I mean of, he's he's they, he's probably they, young. He, they yeah. rave about him. He he's a captain probably in the making. Um yeah. but they rave about him and his work ethic. Uh so that he's definitely in that you know, and he could. I mean he very well could be. Um, you know, come up this fall. I I don't know. I don't know why it bothers me so much and, and no one else is really talking about it. They asked the question, he gave the answer. No one else really seemed to care. Uh, it stuck with me. Like, does that, to me, this doesn't make sense. Especially when there's, like, obvious candidates. Yeah, like, super freaking obvious. N- numerous, yeah. And they've had sure. multiple opportunities. And you can't tell me that the reason why is because they haven't shown enough. You know, they've raved about, about Gilman and Elliot. Right, right. <laughs> you know, being leaders of the SWAT team and all this other stuff. You can't tell me that that isn't already there. I, I don't. There's some there's some mind stuff going on there that, that I'm not too thrilled about. Let's put it that way. <laughs> and I I really like to hammer home the uh, uh, the not so uh, solid point there, but oh well. Um, you know, let's uh, let's talk about the tight ends because we for a second because we did not talk about them uh the, the last podcast uh we i said we weren't going to because we were running long and someone still called me out about <laughs> talking about the tight ends um <laughs> but i mean look cole Komet is is the man brock Wright is falling right behind him tommy tremble third tight end. i mean there's not a whole lot depth chart wise they're solid players. I can Cole Komet be more of a Cal Rudolph, Tyler Eifert type that we come to expect. You know that you're not going to know until none of the none of what we saw is going to prove or disprove that point until we see it. See what goes on in the in the fall, right? Yeah, I mean he caught a couple passes. It's weird to me that like Ian. He's not always looking for him. No, it's a, it's a, you know, but you think like he was looking for Mac a lot. And Mac's yeah. a guy catching the ball. Cole's a guy that, that I think can handle the rock pretty well. You think he would look for him a little bit more, but you know, maybe, maybe in that game, maybe it just wasn't happening. There was a play. I don't know if it was the, I think it was the no, not that one. There was a, he did, there was one he didn't even throw. It was the either the second series or the first I think it was the second series. He had him up the seam against Jen Markeith, who was lost. And the the other safety had moved my head over. Is my hands right now. <laughs> um the other safety had moved over to cover the slot and he was he was wide open. I mean wide open down the seam. And he didn't see him. I mean, he was open for a good amount of time, too. And he just didn't see him. And he threw, you know, he checked it down. And I think the pass was completed. But I'm just thinking, why aren't you seeing that? Like, you, you have to see it. Like, especially when, like, pre-snap, he sees, he sees Elliot leave the middle of the field. 
and and um, DJ Brown was still kind of on the opposite hash. You know, you have a seam. So even even if even if Jim Markeith runs with him, throw it up, like throw it up high. Yeah, we, um, we saw that like against Stanford last year. Yeah, I I, I think there's more. I think I know exactly what you're saying, but I think it's more to do with book than it is the book and the tight end book and the tight end position. I think well, book, I, I agree with that. I, I think books field vision isn't up to the caliber still is not up to the caliber of what we really need it to be for what he does. Um, you know, with that intermediate passing game, he has to see it because defenses aren't stupid. You know, the, you clog up the middle, you clog up the game, right? So not only are you clogging up the, you know, the middle on the passing lanes, you're playing against, you're playing a little tighter against the run, you know, which slows down. Your, we saw it against Pitt. That's exactly, I mean, that's exactly, yeah. that was Pitt's game, right? And if you can't push the ball vertically, which we still don't know how much of in the bag of that is, he's got to see what's there, you know, because there's going to, I mean, just because they're muddling it all up doesn't mean there's not a, a guy that's, it's going to break free or have, you know, have some space or, you know, you're going to find a hole, to, a window to get it to him. He's got to see that. And that's really been his big problem um, all along. I, I didn't see anything that would suggest that that has improved based just off of the spring game. I, I agree with that. And I, I asked this kind of this very question on the uh, Irish illustrated podcast about, you know, like, do we make too much of Ian Book's deep passing? Because I think it's more like he needs to he needs to know where the ball needs to go um, more consistently. And, you know, the, the play I just talked about was a perfect example of it. Um, the other play that comes to mind is it was against Clemson, actually. It was, it was when they were down 3 nothing, and it was the field goal drive. And, you know, it was like second and 10 or whatever it is. And he he hit Fink on like a ten yard out from the slot. It was a first down. But if you look on the play, he's got Chase Claypool running free, free, yeah, on a post for a touchdown. I mean, it's it, the defensive back is not close to him, and it's like no, you, it was like fifteen yards. Yeah, it's like you have to you have to see that. Like those are the those are the opportunities that. Those that are game changers. Yeah, and, and it's like it's one of those things where it's the difference between yeah we moved the chains, but you also had to go four more plays against a really good defense. Right, and, that, and it's like that's hard to do. And bringing it back to the pit game, that was exactly the difference in the pit game. He he finally saw Boykin, who had gotten open more than a few times, and that I mean that was a long seam, you know, pass right to win the game basically. I mean, it did, and that's that was there more times last year, and you know I know it's harder to see on TV, but seeing it live it is you just want to throw yourself off the top of the stadium, I, because you you see these guys just boom break free, and it's not like he's under duress. And it, I, I'm really not. I know that he is a he's a solid, he's a football guy. All right, but there's just you got to wonder if. Once it gets past 15 yards, 15, 20 yards, even if he sees it, is he just holding back because he doesn't think he can make the throw? And I, I, you wonder how, wonder how much it's vision 
versus confidence. Because something else was available. Like, yeah, uh, like, like I'll take this instead because I'm not sure about that. And I think that's what they were. That's what was disappointing about the spring game. And this is just tying this all up from the beginning. Yeah. Is because I think that's exactly it. And you, I wanted to see more of that on Saturday, of him pushing, you know, making the riskier throw. It's what they had talked about at the beginning of spring and through it. And the way it all played out, it wasn't there. And so that is still a massive worry, uh, you know, heading into fall camp. I'm glad I'm glad you said that because I don't I don't really you know I listen to other pods or whatever. Um, the only game I went to last year was Navy, and because um, it was in San Diego, my wife and I drove down. And I'm sitting in the stands and I'm looking at Michael Young on the outside going against their corners. And the whole time I'm thinking, do they not, do they not want to like exploit this obvious mismatch that they have out here? Like, I don't understand. Uh, and the same with Chase Claypool. I was like, do they not like, why don't they just run a post? Now think about Chip Long's frustration level too. I mean, Chip Long is a hothead. God bless him. I, I love Chip Long. I love, yeah. I love everything that that man stands for. And then when his press conferences are are very nice because he is very, very honest, brutally honest, uh-huh. excited. And he had bitched right off the bat to start spring ball about explosive plays. Yeah. And that's his number one thing. And so he's seeing that more than we are about these guys breaking downfield. And you know, he's just, you know, it's tearing them up. We might've put five years on chip long last year. Just because of that. Yeah. And it's 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 going to be important this year because, look, I love Jafar. But he's just not, the, the breakaway he's not, back. He, he's not like Dexter. He's not who like say, who say How many times How many times last year did Dexter save us once, you know, after four games? Exactly. You know, the, the, that's what was so amazing about the Michigan game plan last year and, you know, the whole book and Wimbush thing. I, 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 Greg, I don't know if you've heard my theory, and it's not it's not my own. This is also other people's theory that you know Book won the job in fall camp, but because they didn't know exactly what they had at running back, they knew they were going to need Brandon Wimbush's legs. Yeah, against Michigan, against that defense, right? Mm-hmm. And so they put the game plan together, and it works, man. And it's it. It wasn't like the it wasn't the greatest show on turf because it wasn't supposed to be. It was supposed to do exactly what they did, and they did it. They did mm-hmm. it against a, a good defense, and they got the W. You know, and then they tried some weird shit against Ball State, and they can't really fault Wimbush for like putting the handcuffs on his feet. And then you still win against Vanderbilt, doing you know going back to what I mean they 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 almost Charlie Weiss themselves, you know against Ball State and Va- Vanderbilt. Oh seven, Demetrius Jones, Charlie Weiss, <laughs> and you know that they finally had to make the move, right? And I just, I, I think that that's what Dexter. I think with Dexter Williams in the lineup, maybe Ian Book starts against Michigan. You know that that's the kind of difference maker that we don't have now this year is Dexter Williams, who say, I mean Virginia Tech. I mean people f- forget, you know. It was not an easy game. Things were not really going, you know, things were going our way. We only had 
what was it like three yards rushing before they had, Dexter ne- they had negative yards rushing. Yeah, thank you. I I, I didn't <laughs> want to be wrong that wrong, but yeah, it was negative. Boom, breaks it off. You know, so Dexter had two long runs. He had a, a for touchdown, a thirty-one yarder and that ninety-seven yarder, which I need to check uh, if Lane Stadium has updated their stats because as of last week, they still not have credited Dexter with the longest run in stadium history. Bastards. Mm. Um, mm. But he said, you know, he saved our ass. You know, yeah. even against Pitt, I gotta keep bringing up Pitt, but it's such a pivotal point of the season was that game. He didn't have, you know, the breakaway runs, but he had his explosion. You know, th- what they were doing defensively was just not going to allow that. But he had enough explosion to get like what seven, eight first downs. I mean, yeah. he, it, that was a big game despite the yardage for Dexter Williams. I don't. Jafar Armstrong, a healthy Jafar Armstrong probably doesn't do that for you. So bringing it back to what you said, yeah, man, they're going to need <laughs> – they need those explosive plays in the passing game this year because they're just not going to be there against the better teams that we play throughout the season. They're going to have to do it in the passing game. And you can't, you can't dink and dunk around against Georgia. And you can't dink and dunk – like you need easy points. Yeah, you need – I mean, Georgia – those big games like that, you're going to have some rough series. But right. you, need, you need to have the ability. The way points are score, scored in those big games are big plays. They're not three, dry, three four solid drives. You're just not getting it. You, you're going to need an explo- a breakdown in a, uh, on the defense and exploiting it for a play. That, that, that's how you win those games. That's how just about every big game is won. Look how they beat Michigan. Yeah, Chris Finkie's the first, the the, the the Chris Fink's Moss, the the long pass to uh, to Boyk in there, um, and then they got you know the fifteen yard penalty or whatever. It's like you don't have to you don't have to you know ten, twelve, fourteen play drives. Like it's not going to work. No, as much like, as they these defenses are too good, it does not need to be consistent against <laughs> the good teams. But you and, need and, that and, you need that big play to happen. And, and, and they get, need to tackle on kickoff return. Michigan, Pitt are two fine examples of that. Oh, God. Um, and not to get too bogged down in the details of this, but you don't have Justin Yoon on your team this year. No, so, bog us down. That's, that's a huge part. That's, that's, so that's you the all-time leading scorer in Notre Dame history just left. Yeah, so Think like you don't. You will, but that's your comfort level when you see Jonathan door come out to the field to kick a field goal in a big game is not the same comfort level you had not even close when with Justin, you. Yeah. Do you want an 11 play 60 yard drive that bogs down at the 20 or whatever? And you, you can't count on points like you did last year or the year before. So like, yeah, like free, free points this year, easy points. Like they're going to be super important, probably not against some of the lesser teams, which which is which is the joy of Ian Book, right? Because he's a he's a low variance guy. You know he's going to find people open, and most teams aren't going to be good enough to deal with him consistently. That's why they're going to score so many points, and not with all those wide receivers. I mean, exactly. Someone's going to be open. We're 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 loaded up. So take take pick your poison there between just the starting three of Claypool, Finky, and Young, 
and then you throw in some of the sophomores coming up behind them here and there, there's, there's a, those are, that's a solid, solid wide receiving core. That's, that's, I mean, I'll say it. That's one of your better wide receiving groups in the country. You can't say yeah. the best because Clemson still exists. Justin Ross should be playing in the NFL, but and Alabama still exists. Yeah. Oh, and they're sick. I mean, that's what I'm saying. I mean, the, right. But this is, but they're in that conversation of that group. You know what I mean? Like what yeah. they do collectively, what they can do collectively, is there's a lot of potential there. Which means a guy like Ian Book, look, dude, you got all these weapons to throw to, and th- you throw Cole Komet into that mix too. You know, this those middle of the road to lesser teams that we play on our schedule, which there seems to be more than a quite more than a handful, you know, he should just flat out dominate. There there shouldn't be any bullshitting around. And this is why, by the way, just to get something off my chest. So I wrote I wrote like, I don't know, maybe a, a week after the cotton bowl that that Notre Dame needed to have a quarterback competition. And the reason I wrote that is because of the conversation we're having now. It's like, and, and the reason I thought that that was in play is because of the way that people talked about Phil prior to, you know, the spring. (laughs) And I, it's like, it's, it's, it's kind of a, a, I don't want to say a pet peeve of mine, and and I heard this phrase. You want to see um, book pushed. Well, it's like, look, everyone's talking about how Phil has this talent, right? He has this arm talent. He's 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 crazy talented. I mean, look, I heard this phrase on another podcast, and and I think it's true of this situation. Like the the beat guys, right? Like the guys who go to practices and the guys who have people, quote unquote, in the goog who feed them information like they are the keepers of the takes and if they report to us that phil looks great and people are reporting like he he is real like this is a real thing he's going to be really good and that's what we hear then that's what we think is going on right so when the collective ball, consciousness of the of the fans. Exactly. Like you said it. I didn't say it. I didn't put anything on anybody. Like it was reported as as people inside the Goog, right? So, you know, so I'll write an article like saying, hey, if this is true, then let's see. Let's give him reps. And then it comes out like, oh, the spring. Well, actually, this is his the start of his career or whatever. And now it's like, okay, well, I feel kind of dumb <laughs> because, okay, apparently he has, he's nowhere near like being close to being ready because he hasn't been practicing Notre Dame's plays for four or five right. months. So, but the point is, is like, it's not that I, I think Phil Jerkovic is going to beat Ian Book. It's just that there is a level that he needs to get to, to be like, to be a playoff team. Like they're going to Georgia, they're going to Michigan, they're going to Stanford. Stanford. You know, they have USC at home. Like these are real teams, and so he needs. And it's like, like we were saying, he doesn't have Dexter. He needs to be the driver of this in a way that he wasn't last year. Absolutely. All right, I need. We need to hit one more topic uh, before we wrap this thing up. 
and it was the only thing we had talked about prior to the podcast. And that's with the corner, uh, the corner situation. Field versus boundary. Troy Pride, Houston Griffith. What we were told, what we have versus what we have seen. They weren't. They don't line up. Like the only thing that you could come up with is left and right, right? The only thing that I can come up with is that is that uh, Griffith is playing the field and and Pride is playing the boundary because in the spring game, that's what the, we saw. That Griffith took no boundary reps, zero. I mean, look, if they play him to the field, then that's fine. Like I don't care. Like, you could, you want to put him out there? No problem. Because like, could it be to other, your point though? Early the the other podcast about. At least I, I thought you made the point. You think they're worried that Claypool was just going to school him like he had been in practice so bad? Maybe. Maybe I, they did. But it didn't make any sense, <laughs> did it? Uh, like, I got, I, you know, like I had said, you're paying, I'm paying attention to so many things out there in the field that I defensively, I was keyed more in on uh, like Derek Allen and the linebackers. I, I, but I noticed it during the game. I, I did notice like, like like a few times, and I, I guess I didn't think anything of it other than you know left right, maybe a left right situation instead of field boundary, and it didn't really like fully hit until you had said something to me and go back and start looking and it's like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> like okay, I didn't notice that that was happening more way more often than than what we would have expected, and that didn't make any sense either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, I didn't expect it. it. It's not like a huge deal for me. Like, I don't if if they want to play Griffith to the field side, um, then he know. shouldn't get schooled by Michael Young on an end. I mean, that was I it, that was hard to see. all I know is that he was open, right? That I was harsh. See. And the, <laughs> the pick that uh, we, we had our photographer up there, Mike Miller, got some great shots for us. And the pick of that touchdown, Griffith's face. You don't even have to zoom in. It's a great pick. Uh, was pure agony, like, <laughs> like, well, like it was just like beaten down by Michael Young on that on that pass on that route so bad. It is just it just like a? Torch. Is it just? Was it just like an in route? I going back. I went back and looked at it. It looked like a. Yeah, I mean, as much as it, more of a stop and go. I, I don't think. Oh, it was, got it. Got I don't it. think it was a flat. I have to go back and look at it, but I don't think it was okay. a flat, you know, straight in, like a hard, hard plant and go. I think it was more of a stop and cut in. But uh, it, it was it was it was brutal. And it was just like, oh, that's not a good look. <laughs> not great. Not great. Well, like when you are thing... completely torched within 15 yards, you know, I, I think that I think that was like a within the 10 yard line, really. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. It was. It was yeah. in like the. Yeah. When you're 10, completely 12, torched like that. that close to the end zone, uh, that's not good. It's funny to me though, like because the other talk was like Notre Dame's going to play a lot more press. None of that. Griffith played no press, <laughs> so that's another one that's but, weird to me. But you know, saying that though, Pride played some press, and yeah, he did. Well, I, he's on the boundary, so it makes more sense. And, you know, and then like. Well, I mean, even with like uh, it might have been Agora played some press and like guy like Lindsey couldn't 
guys weren't getting off the ball. Right. Like, and McKinley, God bless him. There's got to be a transfer announcement coming up soon. Watching some of the sophomores and then like McKinley, like these guys weren't firing off the ball with much enthusiasm at all. I don't know uh-huh. what was going on, uh, but there is a complete separation in my mind between the three guys we're trotting out there and what's behind them. There shouldn't be much debate. And I am so comfortable with that. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, I am, they, they are talented. Mm-hmm. They are very talented and they can do the job. But Michael Young, Chris Fink, Chase Claypool, I'm sold. I'll say this about Griffith, and it's and I mentioned it earlier. You know the tackle he made on Jafar. Oh, it was nice at the goal line. That, yeah, it's 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 a it's a touchdown saving play, and it's the type of play that, that a boundary corner makes. That not just the boundary corner that Julian Love makes last year. Absolutely. And when you can replace at least that part of his game, then you're you're halfway there. Because you can't you can't replace the whole thing. But if you can be a guy who's like, hey, you know, maybe I'll give up this or maybe I'll give up that, but I'm coming in the run game. And like that's Jafar. Like that's Notre Dame's guy. You know? And I guess that that kind of lessens my point a little bit maybe or or worries me like my next guy like like i I got like a a small handful of like of other names and i mentioned it last podcast and and dante vaughn still at the boundary because i i firmly believe that he's capable healthy to play in that Mm -hmm. position but to your point about replacing julian love's tackling ability dude shoulder injuries are a mug i mean that and no matter how healed you are, there is a there is just a natural hesitation to what you do physically, right? Like how hard you're coming up, breaking down, getting in front of the ball carrier. That's my big that, that's my biggest concern with Dante Vaughn. Mm. I believe that he can cover a guy. I mean, I, I think he's he <laughs> he is the best cover guy with the worst uh Cover skills, yeah, <laughs> like, he, like like his the technical aspects of his coverage is not really that is not good, mm-hmm. but he still like he still maintains, and I, I'll just keep bringing that up. He, you know, he's hip to hip with Justin Ross. That's that's pretty good in itself. He is there. Uh, so, you know, there's something to work with there. Uh, I just, I just I don't know. I I bring him up because I I just feel that. And we're gonna wrap up the podcast with kind of these thoughts here. For I just kind of feel like this spring doesn't mean jack for the most part, right? This is another practice, and it's whatever Notre Dame is gonna show us. I mean, they're just like the stuff we're bitching about with not seeing enough vertical. That might have been their game plan all along. Probably was to not push it in this game. So everything we just saw, you know, and I put this in a poster for of you know Master Yoda. You got to unlearn what you have learned because so much of what we're talking about will apply to Jack and none, you know, come fall ball. Uh, So, you know, I don't know. I I guess that's just what I wanted to. I mean, we've talked almost an hour and a half straight about uh, about the spring game. And I'm telling you, you just wasted your time. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Just 
wasted your time um, with all this nonsense because there's just so many variables. And I just firmly believe that there's just there's going to be guys step up two or three that we're just not. I, I feel like we talk about everybody all the time, right? Like when, when someone says, hey, who are your sleepers? Like shit, what are what's a sleeper anymore? We talk about everybody um, so much, but I just feel like there's a there's two or three guys that are going to step up and become key players at some point. Maybe not all season. Maybe it's a two or three game stretch. Something. I think Dante Vaughn is one of those guys, um, and I'll I'll roll with that. I don't know if Jack Kaiser is that guy. Uh, <laughs> so, all right, parting shots. Uh, Greg, uh, what's your last words you got to got to say to us here? Last words. Well, I wrote I wrote after the game. Oh, by the way, please go uhmd.com where Greg resides. None of those got him and Frank for a long time. It's a great site. They do a great job. Uh, just I had to plug that, Greg. I never I did, didn't do uh, no, that. I appreciate it. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I wrote I wrote a piece on my my two main takeaways from the game. And that's kind of my the thing that I take away from it. Like, there's two things that I think we know. First is like we know they're going to score points. There's too many weapons. The offensive line is good enough. Um, they're going to open holes. They're going to protect the receivers. Ian Book's going to get the ball to the right people. They're going to score. The second thing is is that we know that the defensive line, specifically the defensive ends, like they're going to be the gatekeepers on defense. They are the ones who, if those guys can play like they, they looked in the spring, then they'll make enough plays to whatever deficiencies there are. If there's deficiencies at linebacker or at corner, whatever, like they will make up for it. It's the most important position on the defense. We can rush the passer. We are defensive end you for – and maybe for, the next first, for the foreseeable future, I was thinking about that. We could talk about that on another podcast, but I mean, it's it's going to be good for a long time. Yeah, break out, break out the gift. <laughs> it's happening. It. Like we the, made it. <laughs> we got defense bounds, and there is an actual depth. Uh, we're not we're not abandoned. Uh, <laughs> well, well, I, I just want to say before uh, I, I'll give my last little shot here, then I'll, I'll finish up, but. Uh, one thing I got I, I got to get off here is I, I put it up on the site tonight. Uh, Notre Dame, the cheerleading squad, announced uh, the three leprechauns for next year, and this year they they had a, a veteran who was actually an actual Irishman uh, in uh, Connell Fagan. I, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, but it doesn't really matter. And then uh, the two new the two noobs are Sam Jackson and Lynette. Wookie, W-U-K-I-E. I, I don't know how else to pronounce that besides Wookie. Um, and what's it, what's huge about this? What, what makes this news is Sam Jackson is the first African American since uh, Mike Brown in two thousand and one, who was the first one overall to become a leprechaun, and Lynette is the first woman, and that's a big deal. And I know people don't want politics shoved down their throat, and I'm not. This is not politics. This is America. This is Notre Dame. This is what we're all supposed to be. It doesn't matter what race or gender 
the leprechaun is. Does it matter what color the quarterback is? Does it matter what color the kicker is? It just it doesn't matter. This is who they are. I think a lot of fans and especially Subway alums forget that you're a Subway alum. This is their university. They go to school there. This is their life. Denying them the chance of doing what they want to do. And they want to go out there and, and raise the spirit and cheer. Who in the hell are you to say they can't just because of what they look like? I, I find total fault in that as an American, let alone a human being. So I'm not, I'm not trying to get preachy. I really don't want to. But I had seen enough on Facebook tonight uh, to make me vomit a few times. It's, it's sickening uh, the amount of disrespect thrown their way. Congrat! I mean, congratulations to them. I mean, that, good for them. And I did put in this in the article that Notre Dame was making a statement. And this isn't Father Jenkins' decision, okay? But this is a collective of what's going on in this country, of all the divisions. Doesn't matter. I'm not talking about political party affiliations or like that. But there is a division in this country. There always has been, and I'm sure there always will be. But here's just something that whoever putting this together they could say why not i mean there's no reason why they can't they this they're the they made the shot here they are and so i applaud them for doing that uh, and i i look forward to, to it some people didn't even know they had more than one leprechaun like look they're at all the events the person's a student that if it was just one person they'd be pretty bored out this isn't like the, the mascot for hawaii who was just some guy who lived nearby that would show up. These guys are students and they're doing their thing. So, um, and if you got a problem with that, then you have a problem with Father Hesburgh, who was the ultimate social justice warrior. Uh, and if you have a problem with Father Hesburgh, frankly, you have a problem with Notre Dame and should look elsewhere uh, to view football. Uh, and that's the last I'm going to say about that. Uh, I want to, th- Greg, thank you so much. Uh, it, it's 2.30 my time. Uh, but I know you're, uh, you still got a, a small evening ahead of you, uh, with your, <laughs> hopefully your baby sleeps through the night. But I, th- I think she'll be up in like two and a half hours. Did you leave already? No, I'm still here. <laughs> I thought you were saying something. <laughs> no, I said, I think the baby will be up in two and a half hours. Oh yeah. Well, you're, uh, that's plenty of time for a good nap. <laughs> so, all right. Thanks guys. Hour and a half. We did it. Uh, we did it. We're done with spring. And uh, now we can move on to an off season full of oh, all sorts of takes. Um, and uh, so check us out on the site, onefootdown.com, all over on your social at onefootdown Twitter. Greg, what's your Twitter handle? At Greg2126. Go follow him at Greg2126. Uh, we're on Instagram. We're, we're, we're trying to be up in your life. Okay. So. Thanks for letting us in and go Irish.